Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. It is May 7th. I believe it's the 7th today. May 7th. 2018. Wow, this this year is just like cruising by, isn't it? It really is. This is crazy. I mean, before we know it, it'll be October and I'll be doing friggin' Toys for Tots again. <laughs> so. I was just going to say, you're going to get into that, that mode. Yeah. We have a special guest on the phone. He's going to be with us for the hour, or as long as he can. His name is Freddie Negretti, and he wrote the book, Smile Now, Cry Later, Guns, Gangs, and Tattoos, My Life in Black and Gray. Hi, Freddie. How are you? Great. So tell me a little bit about um, your story. Like, I know that, I know that you are a um, – let, let, me, let me put this disclaimer down there. I have zero ink on my body whatsoever. So I don't know anything about, like, tattoos oh, or could, anything like that. We could, we could change that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All I have to do is just take a little trip to L.A., right? <laughs> yeah, I don't have any either, but I think I'm a little past the age. What is your What is your um, What is your specialty? I mean, I, I do watch I do watch um, and saw you on uh, Ink Master, so you know. I mean, I I do have a uh, a fondness for body art. I just haven't ha- seen something that I could say, okay, this is permanent on me for a while now. So what yeah, is it that you do? Well, you know, uh, I, I grew up in uh, in East LA, you know, area, and um, <clears throat> was very much a part of uh, the Chicano Cholo scene in East LA in the '70s. I was a gang member. Um, I ended up uh, spending a lot of time in institutions. Uh, I ended up in prison, and uh, the Chicanos uh, developed a a style of tattooing based off of uh, images that were very fond of them, like uh, revolutionary, Mexican revolutionary type stuff, mm-hmm. Aztec type stuff, religious, you know, uh, imagery. You know, those things were uh, important to us. And also writing, because we wanted to say something about who who we were and where we were from. And, uh, and that art form developed as a tattoo style in the California prison in- prisons, and um, go ahead. You were going to ask. <laughs> no, well, I was going to ask you. You you had you had a really early influence on that style as well, right? Yeah, because you know I was born with art ability, and a lot of Chicanos have uh, you know talent like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I was always drawing, and I was uh, like the neighborhood graffiti tagger. You know, <laughs> and. I was a go-to guy for that, and right. I did. Uh, and uh, when our older homeboys would get out of prison, you know, they they taught me how to hand poke, you know, with a sharpened guitar string and mm-hmm. and and you know, uh, needle and thread. I mean, you know, wrapped with thread and dipped in ink. And uh, but I, when I got to prison, uh, we developed uh, you know electric machines out of uh, tape cassette motors. Oh wow! And, uh, really. Yeah, so you so, weren't. So you didn't do much single single needle. You did. You used the the prison mechanism. 
Yeah, well, it was still single needle, you know, uh-huh. because uh, we still use uh, guitar, sharpened guitar strings right. okay. as a needle. And, you know, you know, our, our style of uh, this, what we were going for was more of a realistic style. We wanted very thin lines and uh, shading, you know, to create depth and, mm-hmm. and make our tattoos look more realistic. And, of course, we didn't have colors. Because we, we right. made our own ink, you know, out of... How uh, did you make the ink from? Uh, we would either burn a chess piece or baby oil. Oh, my gosh. And, and what it would do is it would give off like a black suit mm-hmm. when it was burning. And we would harness that suit with, with a paper bag and then scrape off the ashes and then uh, mix it with a little bit, of, little bit of soap and water. And we would make ink like that. Wow, so then, so that's pretty that's pretty um, intense. What you have to do? Yeah, just no to one make ever a little got ink. an infection or anything. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, probably, but not not from the ink. Uh, you know, usually infections and tattoos are a result of uh, it getting germs and dirt in there once it's been applied. You know, and the skin is open. But I hardly, I don't remember ever seeing anybody with an infection. Everybody took real good care of their tattoos once they got them. <laughs> well, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Now that, that's yeah. that's illegal in prison, right? Isn't that? Can't you? Can't I you? Don't uh, no, my daughter came home with one. Yeah, you know <laughs> it, it's uh, technically illegal. You know, um, it's uh, they turn a blind eye to it quite often. Mm-hmm. And then where I happen to be, uh, when I was in youth authority in this uh, uh, lockup program for hardcore juvenile delinquents it was called tamarack and there the staff they let us tattoo in fact you know they didn't search our rooms they let us tattoo they brought us pornography as long as we did the deal was as long as we didn't kill each other (laughs) oh hey i mean i guess you have to subdue the crowd somehow right (laughs) so you know know, i I got really really good at it you know when i was in there for for three years just tattooing every day and and uh, I made some contributions to that homemade tattoo machine. And and uh, by the time I got out, uh, I, I set up shop in my apartment and started tattooing all the homies. And, and everybody wanted tattoos, you know. And at the very mm-hmm. same time, there was a tattoo shop that opened up in East L.A. on Whitter Boulevard. And uh, they found that everybody in East L.A. wanted their tattoos to look as if they were done in prison. They didn't oh, want wow. traditional style tattooing at oh. all. And traditional style tattooing was, you know, a bold line uh, with colors, simple designs, kind of cartoonish looking. And uh, we hated that, you know. But Yeah, I know. I get and, it. I get it. Yeah, that doesn't make you look like a hard guy on the street, right? <laughs> right. You want to yeah. look macho. You want to look yeah. Because the, the thing is, yeah. is, prison is tough, you know, and a lot of people don't even make it out of there alive, you know, and. So if you made it through prison, you know, you were a tough guy, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, so everybody wanted their tattoos looked like they were done in prison. So uh, Jack Rudy, who also had some Chicano background and uh, Good Time Charlie, eventually Ed Hardy. He's the one that bought the shop and hired me. Oh, but okay. they, I've heard but of they him. invented a way, you know, uh, the, the way traditional tattoos were done with uh, multiple uh, needles, you know, like three to five needles just for the outline. But they invented a way to do it uh, 
with a single needle because that's what everybody wanted. And, and uh, you know, so they, they adjusted and, and learned how to do these uh, prison-style tattoos. Then, of course, when they hired me, I already knew all the art. Right. I, I knew the designs they wanted, you know. And so together, Ed Hardy, myself, Jack Rudy, Good Time Charlie, Mark Mahoney, we introduced a new style of tattooing to the tattoo world that's going to be known as black and gray realism. Okay. It, and it's probably the the most popular style worldwide. Everybody does it everywhere, Europe, Australia, Japan. Now, how old were you when you first started? Uh, you know, so when I first started tattooing, of course, the first tattoo I did on myself, I was about 12 years old. <laughs> and then... I was a hand poke tattooer up up until I was uh, 17 and 18 when I went to Youth Authority. Uh, I finally got out when I was 22, and that's when I started tattooing professionally. Now, did you do you have that one covered, or is it still still it's available? It's still there. It is awesome. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So you you have so so you, so you've been tattooing for for quite a while, I guess. Um, yeah. So your book. Smile now, cry later. Um, I've been speaking with Steve back and forth, corresponding to get you to get this date for you. Share with share with us a little bit of of who Steve is and and how you both got together to make this book. Smile now, cry later. Guns, gangs, tattoos. My life in black and gray. That's a that's a mouthful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> first of all, uh, you know Steve is a playwright. And uh, he's done screenwriting as well, and and uh, he's a great writer. Uh, mm -hmm. But actually, he and he's also uh, you know in the program, in a, oh, okay. in, in AA, and has that been helps. for yeah yeah for many years. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, so he was working on a project about an English woman uh, that was like a, a criminal, famous English woman, and her granddaughter lived here in Los Angeles, and he came to interview her mm -hmm. and her daughter said, Hey, there's this guy speaking at a CGA meeting. If you don't know what CGA is, it's criminal and gangsters anonymous. Yep. So, uh, and she goes, you really got to hear this guy speak. So Steve came out, he heard me speak. Uh, we all went for coffee after him. When he mentioned he was a writer, I was like, I've been wanting to write a book. You know, I, 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 but I just don't know what to do. And he said, well, you know, that's not really, uh, you know, my, my, um, my area, okay. but yeah, yeah <clears throat> but maybe I can, you know, uh, direct you in the right, uh, give you the right direction and tell you how you might be able to go about it. But anyways, we had a long talk and, uh, and he, uh, left to drive to San Francisco and he said it just hit him like a ton of bricks on driving on the way up there saying, you know what, I'm going to write this book. And uh, he called me up and he said, you know what? I'm going to help you write this book. Cool. And I was like, yes. That sounds <laughs> like so a God moment. Yeah. 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 That's way cool. How long did it take? It took six years because, oh. you know, and he, he was in, you know, he lives in Austria. So we used Skype. Oh, and, uh, okay. And we did uh, interviewing for uh, a couple of years, you know, putting it all together. But then there's so much that goes into this thing, you know, like. We had to make a proposal, and you had to find a uh, an agent, and we we went through every hurdle there there is to go through. You know, uh, we couldn't get an agent. Finally, we found one. 
like a miracle. And then we couldn't get a publisher. All the publishers wanted us to do like a picture book with just some oh, of your, of with your, your tattoos. Just, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we got offered some lucrative deals, you know, like uh, they just wanted a big coffee table picture book yeah. with some storytelling in it. But we were, no, we want to tell their story. And, uh, and then uh, by a miracle, this, uh, the, actually the CEO there said, he just called us and said, look, I, I didn't even read your guys' proposal. But when my head editor says, we got to do this book, I say we got to do it. <laughs> you know, so. Now, did you set? Did you send little snippets of it for them to? I, I don't know that process whatsoever. Uh, well, about. what you had to do when, when you uh, do a proposal, you know, you had to do the whole marketing plan. Who's going to buy the book? Who's going to read it? And all that. Then you had to write a synopsis of every chapter, and then you had to completely write two chapters, and then wow. uh, it's, it's almost like writing. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, yeah so that's that's really intense. It's almost a book in itself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, and then at that point, they can even say no, right? Right. And a lot, a lot of publishers did, you know. So then, you know, you need an agent because it has, to, uh, you know, to solicit it. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we would read, you know, the responses and all these publishers, all the major publishers like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's not, uh, you know, what we're looking to do right now, you know. And it's not up our alley. and. Mm-hmm. Know. You know, and the, the you know, there's a lot of things in this, and this, and this can morph it into the addiction piece of it. There are a lot of things that I see that you know, speaking to people about addiction and recovery and stuff like that, we struggled to get on the air because people were like, yeah, you know, I don't know if that's the message that we want our channel to um, offer people. So I, so I get where you're coming from with, with that because it's, because it's something other than quote unquote, the norm of America. It's uh, so, so, so I get it. I mean, but, but you know something, gratefully you are able to get through that. I mean, publishers went so far as to say, Oh, we don't think that tattoo people read books, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? But that's, you know what? It got five stars on Amazon, and that's the yeah. best you can get as far as reviews go. Yeah, and the people that read it. And, and then, again, you know, like why I wrote the book, of course, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, there's the whole Chicano Trollo gangster uh, scene that started in East L.A. Uh, there's a big interest in that. Uh, then there's, you know, the the prison, California prison system with all the racial divides and prison gangs and all that stuff. There's a big interest in that. And uh, then, of course, the whole tattoo story of how we started a new style. And there's a big interest in that. But the main reason that I wrote the book is because it's really a story of redemption right. and recovery, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it's a recovery book. It's a re- redemption book now what year what year did you get clean in uh so i finally got clean so it's been 11 years you know nice uh, good for you good I'm, for you. I'm on my 11th year and december 20th will be my 11th year good congratulations good. you Thank made that you. wow that's and that's crazy you made that dis- decision before christmas christmas was always <laughs> christmas was always tough for me i could never I always it found for myself. A lot of you guys, it's yeah. always pretty unpleasant. Yeah, I always found myself in detox Christmas, so like <laughs> six years in a row. Well, you know, I count that date because I, I got arrested, uh, but you know, and, and um, 
but I could have used drugs in there and yeah. didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, I had already made, I made a choice when I was, uh, before I went into treatment center, you know, I, I made a choice and a commitment to God and, and everything. So I count the date that I got arrested. That was the last day I used. Yeah, well, I, exactly. I mean, you know, you get, the, you get divine intervention, right? You get snatched up off the street out of your own way. Right. You know. And, like, you know, like, that, you know, it's sad in California. I mean, I don't know what to say, but, you know, uh, possession of heroin and, and, and speed and all the dangerous drugs was a felony before, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, and it was a, a good stopping point, you know, it's something to make you stop. And and they had a program called Prop 36, where if you got arrested for possession, uh, you would plead guilty for the charge and then they would release you to do a drug program and you'd get three chances. And if you completed that drug program, they would dismiss the case. Was that something like drug court? What they call drug court it was, today? It was similar. It was similar to drug court. It was called Prop Thirty Six. Actually, okay. uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was yes. the, uh, yep. the one behind it. It's gone yeah. now because they they made uh, they decriminalized heroin and speed. Oh my so gosh! Now, Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. It's, it's well, you a know, mess. why don't we why don't we pick that up on the other side of a break? We're we're, we're under the wire, having a hard break here, and we won't have enough time to be able to speak about decriminalizing heroin in California. If I would have known that 30 years ago, I would have been, <laughs> been myself out there. in California. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. If you want to talk to, if you want to ask Freddie a question, or if you have any. Share your experience, strength, and hope. Dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, welcome back. We've been talking to Freddie Negretti, and you said something very interesting before we went to break about the state of California decriminalizing heroin. Um, Heroin, coke, speed. Share a little bit about that. Like what what their, I I don't know maybe if it's like what their mindset was to doing that, but like what what happens if you get caught walking down the street and you have stuff on you, personal use, of course. Yeah, so it's personal use. So if you you get uh, pulled over or or they search you and they find heroin, then... uh, They'll write you a citation, and you go on your merry way. Even uh, if you're some, too high to drive. Uh, you you know if I'm it's sure a driving. Yeah. You know, driving under the influence and drunk driving are the same. So. Yeah. Right. Uh, you would probably go to jail if you were driving under the influence. You know, but possession of heroin is decriminalized, so you're not going to jail. And even if you do, uh, let's say you get 180 days for possession of heroin, you know, then uh, you'll probably do maybe 13 days and then get released. Now, sometimes, you, now, was that, that wasn't decriminalized before you got clean, was it? No. And good, it was a good thing because it was my arrests and my going to prison and ending up on parole and all those things that, that uh, finally woke me up, you know? Yeah. So, I'm not going to spend no more time in prison. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, what? I, I, it I was just pulling it just my moves. hair out. You know? Yeah, it's I'm just sure. Like, I'm sure you can only tattoo so much, right? Um, but it, it just blows my mind that it's decriminalized like that. And I don't necessarily know if that, is, that benefits the individual addict. You know what I mean? My, my mind, even after 29 years clean, my mind immediately went to oh, well, then, then I would be okay out there. You know what I mean? All of the other stuff that goes along with it, you know what I mean? The the breaking and entering and all of that stuff. But, you know, like I, all, all of that seedy no, lifestyle they, that like, goes along like with I it. Like I said, but, they, they, they decriminalized commercial burglary, you know, like, uh, like so if you, you broke in a... Con- so you can even break into somebody's house or car no, and you're store. not going to go to jail? Uh, uh, residential, bur- uh, residential burglary is still a felony. Okay. Because there's always a danger that somebody yeah. might yeah. be there. Might or, yeah. uh, but breaking into cars or breaking into a business. What or, about shoplifting stuff like that? Yeah, all that's all that's decriminalized. That is no, just, I don't. I don't. I, what was the what was the reasoning behind that? I mean, was there any like I uh, don't know. The, you know the, I think the real reasoning was the overcrowdedness in the jails. 
Okay. Right. Probably in the court system too. And yeah. the, and the court system, and yeah. it's it, it's really really, and the thing is is that, you know, uh, so they kick people out of jail, the county jail, Los Angeles County, they kick people out right away, but if you have a felony, they just can't kick you out. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Somebody's got to bail you out. Yeah, or, so or, they decriminalize it, and then yeah, they can kick you out. Yeah, no, that yeah, that, I guess have, I guess that makes sense until but, you do something really horrible. Yeah. Guess. So if it's a misdemeanor, they could just kick you right out. Yeah. Well, if enough of them stack up, do they come try to find you and put you in jail? You know, if you don't show up for court twenty times. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, common. there's always individual things that the judge could do. Uh, they could put a no bail warrant out for you, right? Which really gets them gets the system you know, bogged down. Or they could put a high bail, you know, like a fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar bail. You know, if you now, don't show up for court. But it just sounds like a, you would have to do something pretty bad to be put in prison now in California. Right. It would have to and be as a, as a person as a person in recovery, Freddie, how do you think that helps the addict community? You know, I, I mean I don't want to be the guy saying yeah, you need to go to jail, you know, but yeah, but uh, it was helpful f- for me and the work work that I've done for people to uh, because it was better when they had that prop thirty six that I was talking about mm-hmm. when uh, when you would get arrested for possession of dope and they would have you plead guilty to the felony and then they would let you go uh, to either go into a live in uh, facility or do one of the the state funded uh, drug programs, but so that the state least, actually had drug programs that they funded, and were uh, they I don't okay? know about the yeah the government and the state they do fund some programs. You could you could get government funding for a program, but what they did they weren't their actual uh, state programs. They were programs that the state recognized and would would uh, sentence people to. Okay, they were on. They were on. They had like a list so, of. So okay, yeah. I, I was in Hollywood. I got arrested in Hollywood. I pled guilty. You know, they got got me for possession. I pled guilty. They let me go, and they said, "Okay, go check in at this place." And then I checked in there, and they told me, "Okay, you're going to be going to this program." And uh, you know, okay. and and I failed. And you're supposed to get three three chances. Wow. Uh, I got arrested again. And and they they did the same thing over again, and then uh, I had a dirty test, and I was at court like for an update thing, and the judge said, you know what, just you you're going to prison, you know. And the thing is, is you already plead guilty, you know, like you can't fight your case, you know. No, right. at that point, you've yeah, you've already said you know? guilty. So if you fail the program, they could send you right to prison. How much prison time did you have to do? Uh. So when I failed the Prop 36, I had to do two years. Wow. Did you do the entire two? Uh, no, I got two with half. So I did uh, about 14 months. I'll, it's I'll just, it's, you know, it's it's funny. Like, I'm originally from uh, the Boston area, and I live in Florida now. And, and to hear uh, the decriminalization, I'd like to see, I'd like to see numbers, um, if it's helping the regular addict on the street or if it's, I mean, you, well, you, you ultimately uh, volunteer for, uh, in a, in a program, right? At Rabbi Mark's program. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, Beit Shuva. 
I volunteer yeah. there, and then I also uh, work at another program called uh, ARC, Authentic Recovery Center. Okay. And, and then uh, whenever I can help anybody on my own through the program, uh, you know, I I do it. Right. We had uh, we had Rabbi Mark as a as a guest on the show last year. Oh, that's my buddy. That's an yeah, yeah, he's, he's a nice great guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, very nice guy. Now, what? Um, now, what is? Would you say it was ARC? Yeah, and actually, well, ARC. The people that you know, uh, and that's a great program, and it's mm-hmm. uh, really growing. Where's that at? Uh, the the headquarters place is uh, in Culver City. Okay. And uh, and you know, theirs is a shorter program. It's a thirty day in. Uh, you had to do a week detox, and then you do thirty days. Uh, residential, and then uh, when you come out, you do IOP, intensive uh-huh. outcare, and uh, and that could be anywhere from thirty to sixty days, depending on uh, how, uh, how they evaluate your progress. Right. But, I guess but, it's I guess it's almost like any other any other. Um, no, no, that is a twelve step uh, based program, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. both of them, uh, Beti Shuva and ARC. Yep. They're yeah. twelve step and psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Beta Shuva uses. Uh, they want you to accept. Uh, you know, the ethical teachings of uh, Judaism. Okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to convert or anything, but yeah, yeah. Just, I, I think I think I even remember saying Rabbi Mark saying that. Yeah. So so you don't have to be Jewish to to go through the program, and and uh, they're pretty open. It, it, it's it's not government funded at all. It's all, you know. Uh, it's all, you know, self-funded, you know, by donations. But it's such a great program, and that that one's a long-term program, like six to six months to a year. Oh, okay. And and how do you how do you determine the length of stay? Just by how somebody's interacting with the with the you know with the counselors and all of that stuff. Right. Well, you know, uh, you you could determine yourself whether you want to do. A year program or a six month program. Oh, 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 yourself. Oh, okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. How so, many people are really willing to do that at the beginning, though? Hey, if you have uh, nothing, you know. Right. Well, yeah, I guess you say, okay, I'll I'll do six months and see what happens. But also, yeah. once they get in this program and they see what's going on, because uh, they don't just say, okay, you did a good program, bye, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which happens. You know, a lot. just to. Just to share with you, I worked for a, uh, a toxicology, a urine toxicology company, uh, quite a few years ago, and we did a um, we did the urines at a um, Scientology um, place. Oh, okay. Com- completely different, you know. Like that's what it was when you left. What, what, what's your what's your aftercare program? Well, I'm just going back to my grandmother's house. Perfect. Okay. Gonna, <laughs> tell me how that works for you when you get back. Yeah. Tell me how that works for you when you get back. But well, you know, I I I I think that programs that have some kind of spiritual underlying or twelve step recovery or something like that. Well, and also it, to me, it sounds like this program has a heart. Yeah. For the addict, where mm-hmm. so many of them don't. They're they're businesses, and they're driven by making money. And so, the more people you can churn in and out, the more money you make, especially if they have insurance. Right. So, this sounds like 
both of them that you're describing sound like they the people there have a heart for the addict and you know maybe some of that enthusiasm spreads and you know they also have uh you know some sober li- sober living houses nobody just goes right right home that uh you get an internship they do a lot of uh uh internships with uh business local businesses okay plus uh, beta shuva they they own their own uh, a beautiful thrift store, uh, like a high-end thrift store. Wow! And they have a, a trucking business where they go pick up all this pick furniture. Pick up the stuff at people's houses. Yeah. Yeah. So they 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 put you to work, you know, and and uh and they they have uh, independent living. They have a whole building where you go from uh, residential to independent living. Now, did you go? Did you go through that? program freddie or did you just yeah. connect with it after did oh you? okay it almost yeah, sounds like it sounds kind of like college you know where yeah you go no, to the exactly dorm and yep. then maybe when yep. you're a junior you move into an apartment yeah <laughs> it, it really does yeah. i think this sounds like what we need everywhere yeah yeah well i great. mean if you re- if you remember rabbi mark he was he was a pretty uh he was a pretty knowledgeable uh Individual, I, I I enjoyed the show. I did, sadly, that's why we only have we only have an hour, and I would love to be able to pick someone's brain like that a lot longer than what our uh, hour allows. And you know, I think I think I've never heard I've heard that name quite often, and I've never heard a bad review whatsoever about it. Oh, about Beit Shuva? No, yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> loves it in there. You know that everybody feels like. Something, you know, and there, of course, there are uh, some people that fail, you know, of course, you know, yeah. like uh, uh-huh. they end up using in the house and stuff like that. But I don't know what their their success percentage is, but it's got to be pretty good. Well, you know, I, I, I have always said, and this is kind of maybe um, just my own uh, strange perception, but if you and I are in a program, you get it and I don't. Why should I be a statistic? They were 100% successful with you, right? So, you know, the way I look at it is is if somebody's not feeding into what it it is that uh, a facility is putting out, then maybe one, that's not for you, or two, you're just not ready yet. So you shouldn't be considered in that statistic. You That, that place should be 100% successful. Some just fall through the cracks. Well, I, do, I don't think it's measurable anyway. Well, no, it's really not. You know, because it yeah. could be two years, three years, and oh my goodness, you go back out. I mean, yeah, I, I think don't want to look on the negative side. But. You know, the measure is, do you want to get clean? Yes. Right. You know? And uh, if you want to get clean, we've got... The, the answer. We've got the tools. We, we right. can help you. And that was my thing, you know, because I knew I was never going to use again. And I know I shouldn't even say that, but in my heart, <laughs> no, I, hear you. I, hear you. I, I, understand I knew I was never going to use again, that I was going to stay clean. And I just needed to find out how. <laughs> Some kind of mechanism to put that in place. Right. Yeah. And yeah. when I got to Beit Shuva, I completely, you know, uh, I did everything they asked of me. And I completely indulged myself in the program, the 12 steps, the psychotherapy. I would have never went to a therapist. I'm a gangster, you know. It's just, yeah. like, I ain't going to talk to you, you know. And But, uh, you know, and and all those things working working together. Plus my, my great relationship with Rabbi Mark. It's yeah. funny. So when I came straight from jail there, you know. And uh, 
the head therapist I knew, uh, he's a, he was a friend of ours at the tattoo shop. And he goes, come on, I want you to meet the rabbi, you know? And I'm like, okay. So I go in there, you know, and he's going, he stands up and he looks at me and he pokes me in the chest. He goes, get your hands out of your pockets. What are you supposed to be, some kind of a gangster? Look at you. He goes, you know what? I'm telling you right now, I'm going to change you from the outside in. Yeah. And <laughs> he sent me to the thrift store and made me get uh, button-up shirts and a tie. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you thinking at this point? Yeah. Well, I mean, he had he had a uh, pretty derelict uh, <laughs> past as well, though. So if you know, yeah, if so you know that and somebody's telling you that, you go, well, if this guy can do it, so can I. Oh, I'm sure. But were you yeah. mad? Were you thinking, oh, my gosh, well, what have I done? The, the thing is, I had, ju- I had just uh, talked to, you know, the head therapist there telling him, dude, I'm, I, whatever it takes, I'm ready. Whatever right. it takes. And then, <laughs> and then we go in there and he's telling me I got to wear a suit every day. <laughs> uh, you know, so the thing is, 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 uh, you know, uh, my, my, what I did uh, for my first couple of months there was like hiding from the rabbi. <laughs> 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 Somebody said, I, I see your game. Every time you see the rabbi, you look like a, a cartoon. Exit, stage left. Yeah. The thing is, is uh, and he was my spiritual counselor. I did what he asked, asked of me. You know, I, I went along with everything, and, and I could have fought it, and I could have been an idiot, but I just said, you know what? Okay, he wants me to change my appearance? Fine, I'll change my appearance. Um he doesn't want yeah, my I tattoos. Think, I think, you know, with, with changing your appearance, you change your mindset a little bit as well. You know what I mean? If you kept that, that you know, um, rough and tough gangster look, you that's what you would see back at yourself in the mirror. So, oh, yeah, on it does help. Yeah. You, you kind of feel different. Yeah. You know, when, you're, when your appearance is different, you feel different. People look at you differently. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, so I, I, it was, you know, for that little part, I didn't have to do it the whole time I was there, you know, but uh, it was for that just, little it was just part, a little wake up call. Yeah, exactly. It was just it was a jolt. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go to break. So if anybody wants to call in and ask any questions, dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives, and once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We got the power to change the world. Is your health where you think it should be? A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to miracles in recovery to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org now back to this week's show hey welcome back we are talking with freddie negretti the author of smile now cry later Guns, Gangs, and Tattoos, My Life in Black and Gray. Freddie, before we, before this last 15 minutes gets away from us, I want to uh, have you share, one, how somebody can get your book, two, how somebody can find you on a website, three, where they can find you, where you work. I mean, that sounds kind of scary when I say it that way, but, um, you know what I mean? Sh- share how somebody, people can... Um, look more into who Freddie Negretti is. Okay, well, you could uh, you know find my book on uh, on Amazon or Barnes and Noble uh, or Kindle. Um, it's, uh, it's of course a Smile Not Cry Later, Guns, Gangs, and Tattoos: My Life in Black and Gray. Um, and and uh, my website is www.freddienegretti.com. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, there's some music I've done in the past and, uh, you know, uh, podcasts, a lot of recovery stuff. Uh, also the connection to my Instagram, which is Freddie underscore Negretti. Okay. And if you want to get tattooed, because I'm not booked forever, <laughs> I, think, uh, I have openings still in September. And uh, you just uh, call Shamrock Tattoo. Three one zero two seven one nine six six four, and I'll book an appointment. Say that number again. Three one zero two seven one nine six six four. Cool. It's listed as uh, Shamrock Social Club. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know something? I think I've seen that. Maybe it was maybe it was a, a different place that was called a social club, and it was a tattoo. Um, Parlor as well. I don't. Uh, is that is that like a common a common? Um, well, you know, verbiage? Shamrock Shamrock Tat, uh, Shamrock Social Club is like a really famous tattoo shop. Um, it's in it's in West Hollywood, right there by Beverly Hills. All the celebrities get tattooed there. Uh, we're, they're always using our shop for for uh, motion pictures and maybe that's where I television saw it. shows yeah, maybe, yeah. and maybe stuff. Maybe that's where I saw it. Yeah, and and. Um, and also, uh, th- so the other shop was, uh, I think, Rooster Street Social Club. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they came out with a TV show called uh, New York, Inc. That's where yeah. I saw it. Now that you say that, yep, that's where I yeah. saw it. 
Yeah, so that was a that was a different shop. Uh, there was also a controversy. It was like because we were the only social club, and then he named his social club. He got kind of from us, but copycat. Yeah, he copycat. Yes. <laughs> the dirtbag. <laughs> But hey, you know something. The thing is, is that is that no matter what you do, and you're, you're standing on your own. I mean, you're looking at looking at the tattoos that you have in, in your book. I mean, you stand on your own. I there's there's oh, they're amazing. They're, they're better amazing, than yeah. photographs. Yeah, I mean, I was none. looking at some, and I, I honestly thought they were photos. Mm. You know, it's yeah, what you do you, is you. amazing. And it I've almost, had my own almost shop. Almost makes me want to get one. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Uh, I'm pretty old. I don't think it would work. <laughs> stop with the oh, old it stuff. doesn't matter. Uh, you know, age doesn't have anything to do with it. In no. fact, it kind of goes in better with a little bit of aged skin. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, because I remember seeing on uh, on um, Ink Master when they give somebody an older subject, they're like, "Oh man, that that loose skin." Yeah. You know. Yeah, no. That's what I was thinking it, about. It actually works uh, better. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it goes in better, you know, like maybe they were just assuming, you know. Yeah, oh, well, maybe they they're not well, it was at the level reality of where TV. you are, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, uh, so in your, in your book, you uh you um dedicated to Lorenzo? Yes. Who's Lorenzo? Uh, Lorenzo Lorenzo's uh my son. Mm-hmm. And uh and he's uh, you know, part of the reason that I I I hit rock bottom and got got up uh, and got into recovery. He, uh, I had I had a custody battle with his mother. I got custody of him. I brought him here to Los Angeles, and uh, I, t- honestly, I wasn't the best father. And he got he got involved with uh, the wrong crowd, and he got murdered. Uh-huh. And um, and it was so devastating for me. You know the the guilt that I felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, in so many different ways, uh, that was one of the things I really had to deal with uh, with my psychotherapy. Um, but you know, I just uh, hit. I, I became uh, the most hopeless dope fiend that you you can ever right. imagine. Right, and I, and I totally understand that. Yeah, me I mean, too. I, wow. fortunately enough, I haven't um, had to experience that. But sitting in meetings and hearing people share of uh, you know tragedies like that, I. I I feel that I can feel their pain. I can, you know, it's, it's so, I don't know. Yeah. That's my know. worst fear. You live with that. Mm-hmm. that. That's, that's right. You you know, like I always try to be uh, a fearless person, you know, they say to be fearless, but when that, yeah, I, you realize that you're, you're not fearless. You can't be when you have somebody that you love, you know, and you fear for your children. That's some, you know, afraid that something bad might happen to them, and when something does, it's just devastating. There's just no way to deal right. with it. Yeah, I can't imagine. And how long? How long had you um, kept using after that? After that yeah. happened, because that, that must have blew you away. Yeah, that blew me away, and and uh, of course, at the very same time, uh, you know, I had uh, a health issue. You know, I I was uh, diagnosed with. Uh, uh, drug-induced congestive heart failure, mm-hmm. and so using on top of that was, uh, you know, driving me closer and closer to death. You know, so and I, I so I got really bad, and of course I got arrested. Mm-hmm. I went to prison, and I failed that thing. I, I went to prison 
uh, I got out and immediately started using. And uh, my health got really, really bad. And I got arrested again. This time I was on parole. Uh, but, you know, when I was in the county jail, I had a, a, an amazing, miraculous uh, experience, um, you know, because I had three heart attacks in there. And, you know, I, I, I prayed to God, you know, uh, and asked for a little more time. And I had a miraculous recovery with my heart condition. Mm. Uh, the doors were open for me to go into a residential program. I, I wish we had more time for me to tell that story because it's really amazing. But you can read about it in my book. And basically, you know, um, I was healed of, the, of, of that condition, you know. I, right. I, I have high blood pressure, but... Oh, so, you, so your health is okay now? That, that yeah, the, I mean... At the time, wow. I had those three heart attacks. My, my heart was enlarged, nearly coming out of the cavity. And once you do that kind of damage to your heart, it, you, your heart doesn't repair itself, you know? Yeah, that's and, true. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, But my heart did. So oh, God, saw it, God saw it fit for you to stay around and uh, share your experience, strength, and hope. Yeah, it sounds like you're yeah. truly a miracle. A true miracle in recovery. We we yeah. all are technically, but some more than others in, yeah. that, in that aspect. We, you know, you, you we were we all put close ourselves. To death. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. put yourself in a. But you know, I hear in both of you, you got this mix of gentleness and toughness, <laughs> and I, I think you, I, I really think you have to have that, you know, to be able to survive this disease, and then to be able to work with others who ha- who are still in the midst of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I was gonna say thank you for the gentleness and toughness, but, but then, um, you know, I, I know that I needed somebody to be both gentle and tough with me, like, like Rabbi Mark was with the, with you, putting his finger right. in your chest. You know, a lot of, a lot of people need that to, to be able to get over that first hurdle of running out the door or saying you're not going to tell me what to do right and, right. and that, that that's what you know that combination is so hard to find you're either really tough and mean or you're like me and kind of you know like an enabler and and too gentle sometimes but you guys have that good mix and I, you know I've sensed that in a lot of recovering people you know the women too. It's mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting to me that that you know how to do that, or maybe it's just part of your yeah. spirit now. I, I think uh, for me, you know, um, because uh, and especially as a heroin addict, and you, you know, as a heroin addict, there's something uh, missing there. Yeah. It's just right. a genuine respect for for life for other people. Mm-hmm. You just don't care. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and it shows. You could talk to a heroin addict, uh, and you could t- be talking to them. They don't really care what you're saying, you know. Not they're like, yeah, that. okay, yeah. You know, like they're so hardcore. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that that's what I was. I was, uh, I was not a nice guy. I was, uh, you know. Plus, I had my gangster background. I was just a bad guy. Now, do you and ever was, see? Do you ever cross paths with any of them that are still actively out there banging? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, my my homeboys, uh, uh, there's guys in prison. Most of them went to prison or are dead, yep. you know, because I'm not a, a youngster anymore. But uh, <laughs> I, I I do, uh, I send them money, 
you know, I, I set yep. up, uh, you know, my phone, my, my, uh, oh, so they uh, can call and yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So, so they could call me anytime, you know, I have an account, you know, so anybody that's in prison that has my number can call me. Cool. You know? No, that's, that's good. So that I you, think that calls that because, there, yeah. and you know, like uh, a lot of these guys, they got phones in there, you know, so, and I think the, <laughs> yeah. the guards, the guards sell them. And they're on social media and yeah, you know, like I was looking at my um, my one of my friends' posts, you know, and uh, he's in his in his cell and he's videoing some conflict uh, across the way on the other side of the tier, and the guy gets this guy and just throws him over uh, the oh. three tiers, you know. Oh, geez. probably, you know what I mean. And it's just like. God, I'm so glad I'm not in prison. Anymore. Yes, I mean, you know, when you yeah, when you hear things like that, it gives you a little bit of gratitude that you walked you walked through all of that and yeah. came out pretty much unscathed. We only have about a minute and a half left, so um, do me a favor and go over how someone can find your book, get on your website, and um, find yeah, you, you can, at Shamrock Social Club. Yeah, you can get my book on Amazon. Uh, Smile, Not Cry Later, Guns, Gangs, and Tattoos, uh, My Life in Black and Gray. Uh, my website is easy, www.freddynegretti, that's Freddy with a Y, uh, N-E-G-R-E-T-E, uh, dot com. And uh, I work at Shamrock Tattoo, and you can call over there, and you can actually make an appointment and get tattooed. And uh, the number there is 310-271-9664. Awesome. Well, hey, it was great having you on as a guest, Freddie. I mean, you know, hearing people who, I don't want to say walk the same path because we didn't walk the same path, but we we lived kind of basically the same life in a sense of, you know, like being a heroin addict and, you know, not having any, for lack of a better word, clue whatsoever how to live life. To be able to be on the other side of it, and to be able to laugh and share our stories and and have a common understanding, I, I think that that's awesome. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Thank you for having me on the show. No, thank, oh, thanks. Thanks for thanks for, for coming on, on Freddie. Show. And and um, I'll definitely, if if you want to, we'll reach out to you in the future, and we'll have you back on again because we're not done. Anytime. Okay. Anytime, because I can a, go on forever. Yeah, well, it's been a really awesome hour. We're going to need a four-hour show with yeah. you, so we're not done. <laughs> okay. All right, All right then. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank okay, you. bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I guess that's it. So with Miracles in Recovery. Hope is in your corner. Have a good night, folks. Good night. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.